and they see the level, they see how much of a success they're getting from losing their weight to look having that shredded abs and the obliques and things like that to where they feel as if you should look this way year round. And to be honest with you, it's not. It's not sustainable. It's not optimal. It's not healthy to sustain sub 4, sub 3% body fat for the rest of your life. What's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Shift EQ podcast with Alan K. Today's episode is going to be going into the behind the scenes that kind of goes along with the competition journey. And this isn't your typical like, hey, I'm going to get bulk up. I'm going to lean down and I'm going to look pretty on stage. No, no, no. This conversation is going to be the real behind the scenes, what people go through with the transformation to include like the body dysmorphia and all the other mental and emotional transformations that you got to go through with this transformation and this journey. And to help me with this conversation, I have fellow OCB pro Cody Hoskins, who I met in my most recent competition in May, in which he competed and then placed second in the open And the subsequent following show after that is actually where he won the Open and earned his pro card. Uh, Cody, thank you so much for joining me on this conversation. And I I really can't wait to enlighten the audience about this this conversation because this is something that you and I regularly talk about. Yes, it is. Once, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate the invite. I'm honored to be here. Um, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And let's just get into this, man. Um, So when I met you, you had come second into that competition. And I remember um, being back there in tanning because that's when I met you during the whole tanning thing. And I'm like, yep, I'm not winning this competition at all. Uh, (laughs) But but for you, um, what was that experience like getting ready for that competition and coming in second and then – transferring over to the next competition and then coming in first can you just kind of go over that process and what that really meant for you okay so particular more particularly in that particular show i would say that you were the person you were the um that one person backstage cracking jokes keeping a smile on everybody's faces while we're trying to be serious like i'm back there trying to be locked in serious like super competitive like i'm looking around seeing all right who who am i who am i gunning for who's my target right so I'm always ultra competitive when I'm going into these things, but um, going into it itself, it was a great experience. Learned a lot, obviously met a lot of good friends like yourself. Um, But immediately after that, like me and Teddy, who actually came at first in that show, um, we spoke afterwards on what our plans were, what we anticipated doing, this, that, and the third. And he, he mentioned something about the Arizona Scorcher and wanting to show up there. And I was like, I'm not somebody who takes an L I mean, we're we're all very good competitors, and nobody's a sore loser here. But I'm gonna take an L, go hit the lab for the next four, six, eight weeks, whatever that time distance was between those two shows, and then I'm coming right back at you. So I essentially wanted a rematch. Um, but of course, uh, things worked out to where he wasn't able to participate in that follow-on show where I came in first and actually got my pro card. So, but I am, I have told him that. I'm gunning for you. I'm gonna find it. We're gonna we're gonna talk. We're gonna find a show where we can match up at and go head to head because I'm a, I'm gonna get my revenge. I'm telling you that now. Right. And one of the things I admire about you, man, what I appreciate our conversations is you have this like I'm gonna go after you and I'm gonna be better than you. And it's not like in a way like I want you to be worse so that I can be better. It's like no, no, no. I want you to be the best version of yourself. Because my best version of yourself is going to beat you as soon as we get to that point. Now, for you, would you say that that was the was there like a difference in mindset when you came in second, when you came in runner up? Was there something like this next Arizona score? You're like, man, fuck this. I am going to win. Like, did that definitely push you for that next show? No, it, it most definitely did. Like, I, I sat down and so I talked to my coach about what it is, how I needed to improve, what could I improve upon, and then I really just had to dial it in for those next six, I believe, six or eight weeks there was between the two shows. And um, I just had this mind frame of, like, whoever was on stage with me, 
I'm okay with the thought process of losing, but what I will say is that I'm never going to lose because I was I was outworked. I'm never going to lose because I was outconditioned or um, it's only going to be because of my inexperience and like posing, for example, played a part. Um, I didn't have the posing experiences as like, like Teddy had, for example. And that's something that I went, really went back into the drawing board and I was hitting it every chance I could, whether that be at home in the mirror or that's right after my gym sessions. I mean, I look like a, I wouldn't say I look like a fool, but you know, it's always that one guy in the gym who's always up in there. He just like turns to the side and he's hitting. That was me. Like shirts coming off and I don't care who's looking. I'm practicing wherever my lighting is because that was one of my weak points. So I had to get it. I had to. So that's that was definitely a mm. shift in that mind frame. Mm. So, man, you highlight something that I have a big challenge with in these competitions is the posing. You know, because I remember growing up and then I'd be lifting and try to like flex my traps and try to like, you know, we do things that we only see on TV or we see like at WrestleMania and things like that. And then when you step up on stage on a bodybuilding competition, you realize it's not really about flexing. It's about expanding out the muscles to build an aesthetic. And for me, I realized for me, I have a huge disconnect on not being honest and not being real. And I don't feel like people naturally walk out with their lats like this. And I don't normally have like this. And mind you, that's a mindset thing I got to get over. Um, but it is definitely a huge wake up call as to how much of the shows actually come down to your ability to pose and not pose. Another thing I want to highlight here real quickly, because we talked about this before, about when you came in second place at the show in Vegas, you had a conversation with your son, right? And he, he was definitely inspiring you and definitely kind of pushed you for the win. Can you go into that? Because I feel like a lot of people would love to hear about that. So my oldest son, Cody Jr., just turned 10, actually. At the time... He he was playing football, loves football. I'm more of a basketball dad, so it was like I was trying to give hey, why don't you play basketball? He wants to play football. So <laughs> he was getting discouraged because his team were they were losing quite a few games, you know how used football could be. And his whole thought process was, I don't know if I want to play football anymore. I don't know if this is really for me because we keep losing. I was like, I had to tell him that's not the mind frame to have. You don't just all you go back into the lab. And you work until you achieve what it is you set out to get. And mm -hmm. immediately after coming in second place, um, I did have to already have the thought process of like, oh, I'm coming back and I will get it. But my son just kind of re he definitely reinforced it. And at times when I did feel like I was getting discouraged, I thought back to the conversation where I had with a couple of people who were at the show. And it was just, he was just like, so we're OK with second place now. Because I remember you telling me that second place is first loser. And we're like, you gonna essentially, are we going to put up or shut up? I was like, oh, we're we getting it. So we're definitely going to get it. And I made it a point to where at the Arizona Scorcher that I put in those extra, that extra hours, those extra work. And I had him come out to the show to actually be there so that he can see firsthand whether I got first place or whether I got second, third, or fourth, but the fact that we're still shooting our shot, we're still going for our goals, and that one L or two Ls is not going to stop that. You're going to take it back to the lab, you're going to re-engage, refocus, and then go from there. And even after the next show, because in between those shows, his football team started to win a few more games, and he became a little lackadaisical. That's when I also mm. told him, I was like, so... Who are the teams that you beat? He explained who they were. Are they the best? He was, no, they're not the best teams in the league. He's like, so why are we satisfied? We're sat we, haven't, we haven't beaten the best. And immediately after winning the Arizona Scorcher, because him and my mother was there, I'm talking to a group of people who, you know how after a show it goes, you talk to a group of people, and some are trainers, some are judges. It was, I was actually getting my feedback. And they were like, they were told me, I was like, yeah, you had the complete package, yada, yada, yada. All you had to do was work more on your posing, like we kind of thought. And my son in front of everybody was just like, so did you beat the best? So are we going to stop here? Because no, we're not. So that's, that kind of drove me into now that I have, quote, become a pro, 
I've got to compete against the pros and I've got to beat the best. And that's when I started actually looking toward who the, the natty top tens were and all the natural body, uh, bodybuilding men's physique lists were and figuring out where I need to go, who I need to compete against to say that, hey, I've competed against the best. And I've actually I've put up a fight, if not one, those categories. So and I'm going to make sure that he's there to witness it. Hell yeah. Now, I appreciate this because, oh my God, you literally just showed your son such an important life lesson that I feel like we're straying away from, which is the absolute objective importance of winning. And there is no fucking variables to it. There is no handicaps. There's no 12th place ribbons. And for anybody that really wants to highlight a 12th place ribbon, I could definitely tell you for me, I thought I fucking brought it to that damn show. I fucking thought I was there. Didn't even come in the top five. Right. And yeah, I could sit here and be like, oh yeah, but at least I have a great six pack. No, fuck that shit. You know, I lost. There's no if, ands, or buts, and I lost bad. And you know, the fact that you can show your son. Hey, I might have come in second, but it's not enough because it's not my goal. It's I got to keep pushing for it. That is such an important lesson that you taught your son. I'm very proud of you for that. Like, that's amazing. And I actually, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking about, like, you remember that scene where Kobe, uh, the Lakers are just going up 2-0, and he's at that podium. They're like, hey, why do you look mad? He's like, the job not done. Job's not done, you know? And another thing I really do want to highlight and – why I love talking to you about this is what you just alluded to right there, which is, yeah, I might be a pro, but you still don't give yourself the credit to do so. And it's not that it's like a, like a negative thing. It's not like you're like, Oh fuck. Like you're putting yourself down. I can hear it in your voice. You are using that to literally push yourself even further, no matter what. So I got to ask you, when you tell yourself these things, when you're like, hey, well, I'm not a pro yet because I'm not competing against other pros. Like, well, I haven't beaten the best, whatever. How does that show up for you, not only in your workouts, but like in your day-to-day life? Oh, it shows up drastically. Um, like I've explained before, I may have, the way I see it, right? Um, I don't necessarily see myself as a pro yet. What I, The way I think of it is that I've earned the right to compete against pros. And until I feel as if I've beaten pros, then I can really call myself a pro and then really give myself that identity. And in a a way, it keeps me hungry. It keeps me actually grinding toward that actual goal. Um, But applying that to everything else in life, it's about never being satisfied and always remembering that somebody is watching. Even when I was in the military, you got Mm -hmm. junior sailors who are watching what you're doing. So if you're trying to cut corners, they're going to see that and be like, well, it's okay to do it. And if this person here who I see is, you know, in, in a successful light is doing it, then I'm going to be able to do that as well. Like, no, we can't do that. I had that thought process as a younger, as a young boy growing into my, my teenage high school days until I, until I even joined the military. And that's pretty much when it, it, it just kind of, it, it snapped. That's when it changed to where it's just like, there's no excuses. You got to put your head down, grab your lunch pail and keep it pushing in order to really identify yourself as the best. Um, If you're not going to, it's very possible. Some people got certain genetic differences and advantages that give them a a leg up sometimes, but that's still not an excuse. You still got to put forth the best effort that you can, whether that takes six months or two years or three years, four years, it doesn't matter. You got to stay to the course. So, Mm, yeah and that's what i do enjoy about bodybuilding you you just highlighted it like someone might have better genetics someone hell could go on all the best fucking hormones in the damn world right but at the end of the day you still have to put in that work you still got to put in that volume and regardless of what kind of supplements and hormones that you're on or if you're not on any at all you have to put in that work and bodybuilding is one of those things where your body is the like you legitimately show your work there's no frauds about it it's not like people that try to give money advice that you don't know how much money they're hiding it's if you're giving fitness advice and you don't look like you the fitness advice that you're giving then you you're an automatic fraud no matter what and you and I talk about this all the time because I know that you have a wealth of knowledge, my man. You have a wealth of knowledge, and I've learned so much from you, but you always put out this glimmer. Well, I'm not a professional. 
I don't have a PhD and everything. But the reality is, like in bodybuilding, your results are on the surface. Like regardless if you have a PhD or not, it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, we talked about this the other day. Look at the person that is the face of Department of Public Health, like that <laughs> person. And that is supposed to be the symbol of health? Fuck no, it's no, not. Absolutely not. Um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And no, that's definitely ahead. something that we, we've spoken about. And um, I only say that because we get stuck in this whole social media lifestyle that people live and, and, and they believe everything they see on social media and any little ticket of advice is like is gold for them. But I always caveat any advice that I may have given somebody with either A, I'm not a professional, I'm not a certified nutritionist, I'm not a personal trainer, this is what I've done and what's worked for me, um, or I have a coach, I have a nutrition specialist, I have a personal trainer who I send ideas to and they give me real critiques back like, hey, that squat did not fucking count. And guess what? I'm back in there trying to get it the right way because I got people who will tell me an honest truth. Um, I'm not a fitness influencer. I'm just somebody who loves what I've been doing. And I've learned quite a bit on, along the way that has worked for me. Everybody's body is different. And that's why I caveat that. They got people that sell these cookie cutter meal plans as, as, as one of somebody who I consider a mentor Hard body J Timbo always got on. He's a cookie cutter meal plans. Like it doesn't work for everybody. Everybody got different components. Like his insulin level is different from his. That kind that matters. You know, his libido or her libido is different than hers, and it, that matters. Like like messing with people's like diets like this can go down to the point where it affects a woman's cycle, for example. So that's why it is very important that I caveat everything that I say with, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. This is what has worked for me. Because there are serious consequences to this lifestyle. And so it's important for people mm. to know that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And and let's actually talk about that. Because it's not like you and I just woke up one day and be like, oh, we're competitors, mm -hmm. right? Like, we, we weren't always competing. We weren't always on stage. Um, and that definitely takes a transformation beyond just the physical. Because there's definitely a mental and emotional uh, transformation that goes as well. And I don't think people understand that until they're actually in the journey for you. Do you remember what it was like for you to just be like a regular bodybuilder or just being consistent with the gym and what it took for you to all of a sudden, like, you know what, I'm going to sign up and then training for a competition. Can you talk about like what that was like for you? And if there's any differences or any Things that kind of stick out with you in that process. Um, there was, there was quite a few because I've like I've played basketball majority of my life, um, and the I've I've always gone to the gym to stay fit, stay healthy. Um, then it got to a point where I saw my brother who I've always looked up to. We didn't get along early. We didn't get along well early on growing up. We would always fight. I usually got beat up, but. It was, he started to lose all of this weight and he became discouraged. And we had a conversation on how can I keep him motivated, right? And that is when the idea of doing the show, because he had gone from like roughly 340 pounds. He's 6'2". I'm 6'1". He's a little bit taller than me. He went from 340 pounds down to around 220. 220 is where he started to hit his plateau, start to struggle. Then he Ooh. wanted to kind of give up and just kind of like say, what's the point? Although he was looking phenomenal. Honestly, I think he really could have stepped on stage, but um, he had some loose skin, so he was insecure about it. But the I, I used that as a tool to motivate him initially. And then when I did that, I'm like, all right, I'm already lifting. I'm already going to the gym every single day. What is the difference between me and somebody else who is stepping on stage and what has hindered my process? And that's when I got with my coach, um, Reppin', Reppin' Christ Fitness, uh, Martin Walker, who was actually also a pro, classic, classic men's physique. And that's when I really dialed in the nutrition aspect of it. And that is when I competed in the first show. Enjoyed the experience. It was with NPC. Enjoyed, enjoyed the experience. But did not like the fact that, because I think so highly of myself, I didn't like the fact that I came in anything other than first. And my rationale behind it was that I wasn't big enough because I came into that show at around 168, 6'1". I was thin. So that's when I took the next two years off, got as big as I could get, dirty bulking, 
And um, then I started my cut, which has led me to the show that we met at. So it really started by motivating someone else. But then I caught that bug, that competitive bug where I didn't like to lose. And now I'm just enjoying the lifestyle because I feel better in almost every aspect, whether it be mental health, physical health, emotional. I just feel better every day waking up. It's, it's made a difference. Yeah, there's um, I wanted to highlight this real quickly because you brought up a scenario that I try to preach to a lot of people that ask me about competing, which is, wait, I'm already working out. I'm already eating healthy, in my opinion. What is the difference between what I'm currently doing than someone that's competing up on stage? And that question in and of itself is, is amazing to ask because that's when you start unwinding. Holy crap, there actually isn't much of a difference between what I'm doing and what someone com you know does compete. But what I've noticed a lot of people do is that they put this echelon of competing and being on stage at such a high level that they don't realize that in order for you to be up on stage and competing at your absolute best, the, only, the things you got to do, you got to eat at very, it gets down to eating at certain intervals, eating certain macros in certain times, working out certain intervals, certain frequencies, certain times, and then pretty much creating a lifestyle that promotes both of those to perform as well as possible in both of those areas. And it's crazy because people don't realize you do already eat certain foods at certain intervals, at certain mm -hmm. times you already work out or don't work out in some dynamic at certain intervals, at certain times. And you have a certain lifestyle that you cater to because we are creatures of habit. It's just getting down to a point where you can make yourself aware of what those things are and then just adjust and keep on adjusting, keep on adjusting and keep on adjusting and learn with the process. And another thing that you talked about, which is great, is when once you start stepping into the space, once you start seeing the results that happen that go from like, oh, wait, if I eat breaded chicken, now I go to just lean ground breast chicken. My results are phenomenal. Wait a minute. What happens if I, you know, instead of eating these bad carbs, I, I switch to complex carbs? Oh, my God, look at these results. And I think sometimes, it, you know, people just look at foods and just think, oh, I can't. This tastes bad. I can't blah, 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 blah. But it's like once you take yourself out of that mindset once you start getting out of the taste once you start getting whatever and you see the results that eating these better foods can have for you it just the results are just exponential to become addicting um and i know for me that competition bug mm -hmm. you talked about that's exactly what that is for you was that process kind of the same with regards to like what that transformation was um, like it was and really the competitive nature drove it um it wasn't until after my it was right after the, right when i was cutting for the second show me and my coach and you by the way you should always have a coach who's teaching versus just telling you how to do things um we got into the conversation on the importance of certain foods and how when you get past this show and you go back into your next bulk, how to reverse diet properly, how to up your nutrition, how to how to up your nutrients properly and how to maximize everything. Now that we're eating for performance versus eating for pleasure at the initially at the time, I was just like, all right, cool. I got this many macros. OK, my my cheat was zebra cakes. I can fit a zebra cake in here every now and then, you know, but that zebra cake did nothing for me performance wise because I was still in the gym not as strong as I felt like I should have been given how I was looking. So it wasn't until I dialed those in, saw that, Hey, those foods that we say is nasty. Although you got to, you, there's plenty of ways that you can make them taste good. Um, they have a direct correlation to how you perform, whether that be in your, even sexually, they have a direct correlation. Man, I know y'all care about that. So even sexually it matters. So, that's really when it, it really clicked for me that after the after I became a pro, I thought about doing a two year bulk, started to moderate my calories going back up. And I started to see my strength numbers drastically increase to the point where I've never actually seen them go up before. So that's been the biggest like trigger in my mind. Like we're no longer eating for pleasure. Like a, a cake is nice every now and then, but no, nah, I'm going to prefer to eat 
along the lines of my coaches telling me to eat and following like a powerlifting program because now I care about how much stronger I'm getting in comparison. Yeah, especially with um, I feel like exactly what you said, where I think people highlight too much on macros, which is I think is a great start. It's a phenomenal start. But you can definitely, just like you said, you can fit in like zebra cakes and be within your macros, but then still realize you're not as performing as optimally as you possibly can. Um, and the thing about eating and working out, even outside of competitions, even outside of whatever, you hit the right macros and you're going to still perform okay. And I feel like that's one of the things that does become, I don't want to say detrimental, but kind of scary about the processed world of foods that we have right now is you can be eating shit for the rest of your life, survive and live and thinking that you're meeting all these little you know macros and these numbers. But the reality is, is the micros, what you, what you emphasize yeah. to me plays a whole different role because these foods are processed. Can, can you kind of go into the micros? I know you're not a PhD. I know you're not whatever. But can you definitely go into at least what you taught me about looking at your micronutrients vice just your macro? Uh, of course. So obviously the micronutrients and the macronutrients are two different entities. Now, on one hand, you're talking about the macros. You got fats, protein, carbs. And then the others, the, the micronutrients, you're talking about your actual vitamins and your water-soluble vitamins and your fat-soluble vitamins that actually play a role in how your digestive health works, which falls into how much you lose weight because your metabolism is also affected by all of that. Um, and then if you're really a competitor, that would make a difference standing on stage next to somebody who only counted, oh, I'm getting 200 grams of protein, 180 grams of carbs and fats. No matter how I'm getting them, I am going to get them, right? So they tend to miss out on those key nutrients that they need or the key vitamins and things like that that they need to help produce their T3 and T4 to healthy levels that help make sure that their magnesium levels and needs are being met. So that all of that stuff plays a role. That's why I'm a big proponent now and a big fan of going to get your blood work done after a show during or prep, I'll say, or any kind of massive weight loss, make sure that you're getting your blood work done to make sure that you're staying at healthy levels because staying and going down to low body fat percentages can also be a drain on the body. So a lot of that kind of little stuff plays a factor. Um, for anybody who's just getting into it, that could be a lot to take in. So obviously it's good to hit a micro or macros initially. That's why it's important, like I said, to have a good coach who's going to track and help you with that and teach you along the process. Right, right. And let's actually talk about the process, Cody, because this is definitely one of the things that you and I regularly talk about. This is one of those things that you definitely are, are you definitely are supportive of me about it, which is the process of going through that transformation and going through the bulking, the leaning, the constant transformation. Because I feel in this space, when you have exceptional physiques, when you look like you're on a cover of a magazine or you look like an influencer, we usually don't get the space to actually go through the body dysmorphia that comes along with the process of constantly going in and out. And for me, you know, right now I'm in my third competition cycle. Um, I, I've got back into prep uh, in the beginning of October. This is towards the end of December. Now I've lost about 16 or 17 pounds and I got to be honest with you, man. I am going through it. I'm going through it on a regular basis. Like I'm a grown ass man. I have daughters. Like I'm supposed to protect my family. And now I'm just getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. And although I know this is part of the process, I can't help but to, fa to face the fact this is a challenge every single time I go through this competition cycle. For you, Cody, what has been your relationship with your body and yourself during these transformations and through these journeys? Um, for me personally, it's been, it, it, it has affected me as well. Um, honestly, I don't know not one person who goes through this process and they see the level, they see how much of a success they're getting from losing their weight to look, having that shredded abs and the obliques and things like that to where they feel as if you should look this way year round. And to be honest with you, it's not. It's not sustainable. It's not optimal. It's not healthy to sustain 
you know, sub four, sub 3% body fat for the duration of, you know, for the rest of your life. So I understand that, but it still bothers me, especially when I was like at the, at the, the, bit, at the I was around 250 when I was bulking. It still bothers me because like I would walk by a mirror and just like look at myself and be like, wait a minute. I'm going to say, I don't, I don't, I don't see no obliques. All right, we're working that tomorrow. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. You know what? Don't, don't, I don't want pizza. Go and give me some chicken breast and thinking that I'm about to go right back on prep and try to do that again. But no, the body needs healthy fats. The body is all about balance. Um, And one of the ways, and I don't fully think that I've truly dealt with it yet. I think that for me, the only way that I've been able to put a bandaid over it is just create new goals that would allow me to make an excuse to say it's okay to look this way when really I don't, I'm truly not accepting myself without having abs or without looking like I deserve to be on stage. In my mind, I'm like, this size gain or weight gain is directly related to how much stronger I have become. And therefore, I have slowly, it's like a Band-Aid. I've accepted it, but I've not been... I've dealt with it, but I've not accepted that fact, I should say. Mm. No, but I, I, that's something yeah, I'm like still you working on. We're still constantly always improving, and that's what's important, is that you identify the problem so that you can try to create a plan of action to fix that. And so that's I'm working on it, to be honest with you. Right, right. And and that's the thing. I, I think the the one thing that we have to embrace is that no matter where we are with our goals – we are still facing a challenge. We are still facing problems every single day, regardless of where, you know, just like um, the book. Oh, what's going on? That's not, no, no, not book of atomic habits. Oh man. I'm about to give a bad book hmm. suggestion. Um, oh, subtle art of not giving a fuck. Okay. That's what it is. And he talked and he talks about, Hey, you know, the Warren Buffett has money problems. The person that's homeless on the corner has money problems. Just the money problems that Warren Buffett has are better money problems <laughs> than the one that's homeless on the street. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing is we got to embrace just because you have abs, just because you have a, a phenomenal physique, it doesn't shy away that you might have whatever problems you still have. Because, you know, in my opinion, if you want to get to this exceptional kind of a physique to get up on stage, there is something bigger inside of you that's driving you to get this exception that's just beyond just apps that's beyond just an instagram post and it's it's a coming upon everybody that's on this journey to understand what that really is for you and if you don't work through that if you don't actually find it within yourself to figure out what it is that's pushing you so far to this realm like it's gonna definitely cause a lot of dysmorphia issues and again like we said with the bodybuilding community they're not given the space to actually do so because the rhetoric is, well, you have an exceptional physique anyways. Yeah. Right. Before we get into it, do you want to add any more onto this? Because I think you might know where I'm going with this. With the I know social exactly media and where you're going now. with it. And um, this is one of the things I appreciate about you because we can have a slight, we can slightly disagree regarding this because we've had phone conversations about it. We can slightly disagree, but still be cordial and friends and have a good conversation about it, you know, afterwards. But um Okay, so let me let me just enlighten the audience about what this is, right? So on my Instagram a few weeks ago, there is uh, an Instagram video reel that went viral, um, and this guy's account I don't I forgot his name I can care less and I'm not going to give him a shout out here, but you can if you want to you can if you want to, right? Um, what he's his account is known and known for doing is calling out professional bodybuilders for photoshopping certain aspects of their curves, right? And there's this one post that he made about this uh, IFBB pro lady. Her name is Jacqueline Rios. And she was caught like enhancing not even that much of an ass or that much of her hips or I forgot what feature it was. But what I, you know, didn't enjoy and what I, what I was very much against is that they, everybody threw her under a bus, like, Oh, you Photoshop, you have this exceptional physique, you have this, but it's like, Bro, this person clearly has gotten to a point where they're doing hormones and they're extremely astringent with what they're doing to get to where they're at. And if in the back of their mind, they're like, oh, my God, I still have to change something about my photo before I post it. 
I'm like, yo, that's a human experience that we're not giving people the space for. And I find it really discouraging, discouraging in the social media age where, where we act like we don't take a million different photos in different poses. So we get the right angle. We act like we don't have the right filters, right? Until we get the right. And then we also act like we have not ever posted something. It didn't get enough likes. And then all of a sudden delete it because it didn't get enough external validation, you know? For you, I know you don't exactly interpret into that extreme, but for you, where was your interpretation of that post and what was that entire realm? So me for you personally, like? I'm a big supporter of the account and and you know, and I will give them a shout out if you don't mind. It's Goop, the Goop <laughs> uh Goop Instagram account. And it really what it does is that it brings a level of reality to bodybuilding, to fitness and how things look that people, for whatever reason, um, don't necessarily always associate with the sport. So they will immediately think that she's naturally or somebody's naturally built like this and that I can attain this too if I buy this 30-day booty buster program or um, or if I just continue to, to, to go and get a BBL and this, that, and a third. So it, it in some cases, can create unrealistic expectations. But also, with that being said, really what it comes down to, at least where I I nitpick at it, is where I, I understand where you're coming from. Like, it has to be a thought process as to what can be wrong with somebody mentally. But on that same notion, it's also deceiving when you're trying to sell a product and giving misleading information. Um, it's different if you're just posting it to just look a certain way, but now you're trying to sell a product and you're lying about the results of the product and you're doing it in an industry that could be highly dangerous to individual to, to the individuals who partake in it. And so that is where like me personally, you're absolutely right. I have had, I take a, like you look through my phone real, like I take at least 30 pictures of myself every time I'm done working out with pump just to see, all right, I don't like this one. I don't like this one. I'm extremely self-critical, but also on that same notion, I'm very honest about it because I feel like that's the only way that I, I, I've really accepted myself. I've been very self-critical about how strong I can actually be, how I'm actually built. And, and it's, it's, I feel giving me that sense of relief. Like nobody can truly, nobody can call me out and call me and say, Hey, you don't actually look like that. Or you can't actually do that. Like I've shown my failures. I've shown the process from my failures to where I currently sit at, which I'm not where I want to be, but we're going to get there. And it, sh- it to me, it's a guide to other people who feel discouraged about starting that process. So you got to be, tra- I feel you got to be transparent about everything. You got to know the risks, got to know the rewards, and you got to know the true time frame for this kind of thing. Yeah, I agree with you where if you are selling a product and you're making it look like that is the product that got you to those results and it's photoshopped, then yeah, I think it is definitely this, you know, definitely deceiving. And it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say a lie, but it is a lie, you know, but if you look at every supplement product, even like whey protein products, you have fucking people that are juiced the fuck out on the, like every muscle tech athlete ever that's out there that has like, you know, any kind of tech, whatever the fuck is a juiced out dude. And, and he's like, Oh yeah, I take this protein. Like that protein is not what got you that physique. It helps supplement it, but we all know the damn well truth that it doesn't fucking there. And odds are too, that they didn't even take that supplement, you know? And then there's those ones where they have the before and after pictures. Like I forgot what documentary I saw, but it showed that they took the before and after on the day of, on the same day for the same person. They just fucking made it different with supplements. So when I see people posting things on Instagram, like selling an image, I don't think it's any different than anybody else doing anything in all reality. And it's one thing if you are like, like I've seen some videos on that account that you're talking about. And he, and he shows where certain clients are just completely like 30 pounds photoshopped off. But I think if it's just one little enhancement and one other little curve, I don't think it really should be ridiculed in that dynamic. You know, that's the first thing. The, the second thing real quick, and I'll let you I'll let you here continue because I, I can tell you got something to say. What you said about you being honest with yourself, 
I, I feel the difference between why you're allowed to do that and why you do that is because you find your validation internally. You can tell that your motivating factors are driven from inside on how you can improve yourself. A lot of people these days don't have that. Their validation comes from all relativity based on the person next to them. And the only way that they feel superior or of value is by the other person feeling less than or by you putting them down. And I think there needs to be a real, real emphasis on the difference between both of them, because, yeah, you can be really honest with yourself and you could be really promoting the right images and the right message. But if your entire message behind what you're doing is only validated if someone else can be shit on and be le- like, let's that like look down upon, then what is really the value that you have for yourself and what are you really promoting? You know, and that's kind of where I get critical into that. It, it's like, hey, if we're like, hey, this person already has results, let's actually ask that person why the fuck they did that instead of being like, that's who we have up on stage. Here's this other person we could fucking shit on. And it's like, why are you being happy about people or shitting on people? That's where I find a big, big issue. So in defend, in their defense, I should say, in his defense, he has shown proof where he would message the person who is editing their photos and say, hey, you're editing your photos. It gives a really bad impression and it's misleading. So yada, 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 yada. Here's the proof, so on and so forth. And he does give them an opportunity to say, hey, I do, I don't. Here's why. Here's what I don't do and whatever. And he does explicitly put that out. And then it goes down a rabbit hole of, well, typically one per they typically become combative, verbally combative. And that's kind of how that whole rat, they go down a rabbit hole and, and continue down that way. I, I am very transparent. I show the good, the bad, the ugly. Like the other day when I had a, just a ridiculous leg day and I was leaving the house and I fell. Like I'm going to show comical stuff like that. Like we got to laugh about it. We got to like enjoy the process. There was a video I saw of a homeless dude where he was just, he was talking about how we're too busy trying to get to where we're trying to get to is that we're missing the point that you've got to enjoy the process because before you look up, you're there and you're missing the good times. Like there was a, also another clip like, hey, I wish I knew I was in the good times while the good times were still going on. These are those good moments where it's just like, yo, that, and I'm going to repost that security footage too because it was still funny. Those are the good, funny moments. Like I sent that to the group chat and they, they chopped me up for a minute, but you got to be able to laugh at yourself in moments like that too. So that's, that's the part of having Mm -hmm. that Mm self-confidence that, Hey, nobody's going to break that and it's okay. Yeah. So what is it for you then? I, I think you alluded to this right now. How do you stay present with the process? How do you find ways to enjoy the process? Especially when, Something like training five to six times a week and eating pretty astringently, 45 meals a day can be really cumbersome for some. So how do you maintain your sanity and how do you stay present with that process? So I stay present with the process because I remember where or how it felt, at least for me, to be up on stage and to win. And now I'm trying to amplify that process and go onto a bigger stage and do the same thing. So, but I also got to also take from what my coaches are telling me, like, hey, this is a process. It takes a good eight, nine months to get like that lean, that shredded from a certain, from one point to another. So people get so stuck on trying to rush the process. They can't do that. Um, from another aspect for me is, is, is I consider myself and it, it sounds really bad. It, it does. And I hate to, I don't know how else to word it, but I consider myself as a top tier competitor. Like, and in order to, Back up my word, so I'm not seen as a liar. I've got to, I've got to do the little things that matter. I've got to count my steps. I've got to count my macros. I've also got to make sure that those little micronutrients. I'm also trying to squeeze those in as much as I can as well. Um, and then I also got to be the example that I'm sitting up here talking about. Like I'm sitting up here, I can't just sit up here, run my mouth, and then I'm not actually going to the gym afterwards and and doing what I'm supposed to do. Like no. You've got to put your money where your mouth is. I enjoy talking shit. That's just, I'm going to just call it hostage. I enjoy talking shit. Like, I, I can't remember, I cannot remember his name, but he was a pro at um, the Arizona Scorcher. And I sent him an inbox saying, hey, you're looking really good. You're looking really shredded. You got a very nice physique. 
um, hopefully you're competing next year because I'm coming for your neck. All right. And there was a couple of times mm. I even told my coach, I was like, you know what? You got like five, 10 more years of experience on me. But guess what? One of these days I'm coming for your neck. All right. So I like to talk shit. I like to be able to back up what I'm talking about. And you got to do the little things that the little things that equal the bigger goals. You have to in anything, in any aspect of life. Like you want to be a doctor. Guess what? You got to take microbiology in order to pass microbiology. You got to study the cell structure. Right. So same thing. It's the little baby steps is going to get you there. Yeah, you what you're saying is so important because the story that you tell yourself is so vital with how you decide to show up in lieu of the story that you're telling yourself. And I, I, you know, I imagine, and well, actually I don't imagine, I know the difference, right? Like, so for example, for me, this is my third competition cycle. My very first competition cycle I went into first time ever doing, it, I was just trying to get on stage, right? And my mindset was just trying to get on stage. The second time around was like my ego got involved in which I'm happy it did, to be honest with you. I was like, wait a minute. This is the second time I'm getting up on stage. If I'm not doing any fucking better, why the fuck am I here? You know, and that pushed me just a little bit more. And now with this third competition cycle where I feel like my results compared to my first and second was just night and day with how different it is. My mindset now is this is my third cycle. I better fucking win. And if not, what the fuck am I doing? And that in and of itself has me pay attention that much more drastically and that more attentively to my macros and my micros. It has me pay attention to drastically to my cardio, to my workouts, the intensity in those workouts. And all because a lot of what you just said right there, I view myself as winning this goddamn competition. And what does a winner of that competition do? Oh, he takes no shortcuts. He shows up every fucking meal, he shows up every fucking day. And because that's a story that I tell myself, that is how I show up. And I think it is very, absolutely. Very no, no, no. I, I just, for people, for those out there who don't know, right. Anytime you're in contest prep, life still goes on. And I don't know if they are aware, but you went through something throughout your second show that kind of made you feel like, yo, why am I doing this? Or um, it, 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 there are moments in your life that you doubt what you're doing, but you still got to like you mm-hmm. know, get your lunch pail, put on your hard hat and you still got to get to work. You still have like people don't care about the excuses why you didn't make it. They only see the fact that you didn't make it. And so. Um, yeah, like that's, that's another thing. You do look really good, especially in comparison. Like you're two months out now and you already look like you did for the Vegas show last year. So I'm excited to see where it is. Right, appreciate how you that. do this upcoming show. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, for, for the listeners real quick, cause I guess, I guess Cody went into it. Uh, my second cycle, we're going to get real personal as well. Cause I do with my channel anyways. Yeah. My dad was going through cancer and, um, I, found out afterwards he had an 80% chance of dying. And I didn't know. I just thought he was going to die. 100% thought I, he thought he was going to die. And I didn't know. And that definitely put me into a headspace. And that definitely got me into like, not exactly always showing up because I wasn't always present based on where my emotions were. But what you said is absolutely correct. No one cares. No one cares what you're going through. No one cares about not sure maybe in the after end of everything they might care a little bit but the only thing they care about is how you show up and and ultimately that's the only thing that matters is how i showed up in what place you know um and i i don't mind that i i know that there should be some space to give people some kind of grievance but i signed up to do something i signed up to do that and i know my dad if he he knew what I was competing for. And if I would have stopped because I was there worrying about him, he'd be like, dude, I'm going to be fucking okay. You better live your life, you know, and you better do it well. Um, and, and that is definitely something that I definitely appreciate and cherish because that's a life experience that now I'm able to work through and then hopefully show other people how to work through as well. And you can still use that. Yeah, whew, that that was that was a huge, huge thing. And and here's another thing too. Um, trust the process. Like trust the process. Trust the process because it took for you, right? Be, so the, what was it between your MPC show and then your the time that you finally won your pro card? Can you talk about like 
if you were to literally look at your Cody very first competition mindset workout approach everything, Coach Cody that earned his pro card told his son, "Yeah, I'm going to fucking show up and I'm going to show how to do this." You know, can you talk about yeah the big differences between that other version of Cody and this version of Cody now? I would say I'm way more headstrong. Back then, it was just like, "Hey, I'm doing a show. Just show up, look good, look nice." And stepping on stage was great and all, but the headspace changed. The competitive nature of it, I guess, took took over, I should say. I started off at 168, and in my mind, I'm thinking, like, all right, I'm a smaller guy going into a show where bigger guys are competing. Like, thinner, I should say. I was taller, but I was way thinner. And so I'm like, I need to bulk up. Then I go down this dirty bulk phase where I'm like, I got this. I'm going to get as big as I can. And then cut back down because most of the some of the best physique athletes I've seen started off overweight and was just like, I'm not going to tolerate this no more. So I'm going to get bigger, still hit the gym and go about it that way. So it was about a two and a half year difference where, well, it was, I want to say 20, I want to say 2019 where I competed in NPC, uh, the NPC at 168, went through two, two and a half years of just bulking, got up to 250, and then that's when I started prep and started prep all over again and went from 250, dropped back down to, I think in Vegas, it was 190. And then I had gone from 168 stage weight to 190 stage weight. And then in Arizona, like eight weeks later, I had came in around 188, 187. And at the time, I was I was kind of tracking my body fat, and I was down to about three, two and a half percent body fat. I was miserable, but that was the that was, mm. it was so for me. It took about two and a half, almost three years to really just bulk up and put on about twenty pounds of muscle, I should say, and and earn my pro card. Yeah, that that's got to be a a crazy. Well, it, yeah, and I guess if you were to look at yourself objectively, mindset, approach, and the whole nine yards, how different are you now then compared to that other version of Cody? Like, well, like I know yeah. we're talking about the weight and everything, but mindset wise, do you can do you kind of remember like the kind of the stories you were telling yourself when you were training at the other version? Like, can you go so into that part, part of it? Yeah, absolutely. Part of it was the the mere fact of of the like I said, the competitive drive, but the stories I would tell myself was that I, I have to set the example. Um, I cannot be a two time loser. I, that was the change in the mind frame beforehand. I still want to be, you know, I still wanted to hoop when in essence, I wasn't tracking the type of food I was eating. I was just like, okay, I can squeeze the zebra cake in. No, you got to eat. You got to take it in. You got to eat your sweet potatoes. You got to get your black beans in. You got to get your spinach, your kale. And you, those are just tidbits. But I started to include cauliflower, mushrooms. I don't even like mushrooms. But that was just one of those things where I'm eating the things I didn't necessarily like, sauteed them in a way that made them taste well so that I can put a better package together. And so... I was like, at this point, I'm committed. I'm I'm spending, and it actually saved me money too along the way. Um, but it, it changed an entire lifestyle. It changed. It made a whole lifestyle of a difference. And once I saw that my my children mm-hmm. were really starting to change the way that they thought, I was like, oh man, that's that. Yo, as as fathers, as dads, we really do set the bar. And that really channeled, like, especially like for my middle son, Cameron. Oh, he don't take no shit from nobody. Like he, he's only four. He ain't taking mm. shit from nobody. And so that competitive thought process, I feel really did have an impact on them. And that's what changed everything changed even from my, my school life to work life to, to, to competing. It, it doesn't matter. I, I've got to be, if not the best, one of the best, out there i've got to be in the consideration and if not i'm gonna take it back to the drawing board we're gonna figure out how to get us there and we're gonna get back to it yeah it's it's amazing when you apply 
like yourself in that dynamic that you just said, like, I'm going to fucking win this damn thing. I'm going to put all the effort in the world into I'm winning. I'm not going to go. Oh, and two in the finals. I am not going to fucking lose this, but you think it just applies to training. But then all of a sudden that mindset that you've approached for yourself, you have literally applied yourself to the highest set of standards of investment into yourself. Like that's what that does. And that, just carries in so much, so many other areas in your life. Because as soon as you put a standard for yourself training, you put a standard for yourself and you don't even know it. And, and it's crazy for me how what I've seen is that ever since I've stepped into this space of bodybuilding and really dialed down to working out, dialed down to these diets, dialed down to pushing away drinking, pushing away all these other vices that I've had. I have a legitimate standard for myself as a human being outside of just bodybuilding. And that standard would not have presented itself had I not been into this competition cycle. Now, I don't need to stay competing anymore to, to understand that. And the older I get, man, these fucking, this training gets, <laughs> gets tiring and it hurts a little bit more. But what I've learned from it is just so, oh my God, it's the best thing that could have ever happened in my life. And you alluded to something that I feel all men need to do, which is understand that when you're in this phase of investing in yourself, transforming, there are other people that are looking up to you. There are other people that are taking your lead because as men, we lead by example. We don't lead by words. We don't lead with emotions. We lead by example. We don't lead by speeches. We lead by example every single time. And, you know, like in the Navy, one of the things I used to <laughs> hate in the Navy is you had these fucking fat ass chiefs fucking like making their their khaki uniform look like it's made out of elastic because they're so goddamn fat. And then there there they are to tell you, hey, you should be a little bit more disciplined with your life. Hey, you should probably do a little bit more this and this. And then what's worse, those are the same motherfuckers that decide to lead PT, physical training. And then they're out there fucking and you know, I remember in the Navy, we had these fucking minion looking yes, outfits, this bright yellow shirt and these fucking stupid little short, short blue shorts. We already look pathetic as it is. And then you got chief. What the fuck? You know, six foot one, 335 fucking pounds out there trying to tell you how to be in shape. And the only thing that motherfucker knew how to do was like arm circles. So you'd be out there for arm circles doing this like it's fitness. And I got to tell you, man getting so many years of being led by that kind of leadership is I feel like why a lot of the, the reason why Navy is so goddamn toxic and of it and of itself, because you have people that are in charge that are trying to lead people, except they don't have any example. I will say I, I've seen the examples that you're referring to. I've been blessed and been lucky enough to have the complete opposite. I've had chiefs who were that ultra competitive type of mentality where Fucking Hoskins, right? Fucking Hoskins. He can do this. I'm going to get out there and do it, too. Like, I still remember I was competing with, at the time, he was Chief Wyckoff. Now he's up there at Master Chief. And then now at the time, HM1 Starks. Now he's up there for Senior. And even 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 Chief uh, Julian, she's up for uh, Master Chief, I think, coming up soon. And every single one of them was just like, whether it be physically, they're going to push you. And they are going to be out there leading from the front. Like what? Like uh, T five or I should? I guess I could call him Will. Now I'm out. Um, he would be like, I'm not about to let this little kid outdo me. I'm sorry, I'm not. And then Starks, he was just he was already a bodybuilder, so he was all about the weights. Um, Chief Julian, she was just going to challenge you mentally. Like she was going to tell you, hey, well, you like she was very very much a teacher. So it's just like she's going to challenge you mentally, have you look up certain instructions. Hey, there's an answer for everything. And that's what even those three made him played an immense part of the thought process I have today. Like when it comes to bodybuilding, for example, that competitive drive that the, those two had along with Julian saying that, hey, you can look anything up. Now I'm looking up the best meals for, you know, strength gains. I'm looking up the best carb sources, the best proteins, the best micronutrients to assist in this. Like what is necessary for, you know, rebuilding the muscles that you need, amino acid replacements, things like that. So I get where you're coming from. I've heard those stories, but man, like I said, I'm, I've been lucky enough to have the exact opposite experience. Like, I think that has to do with the difference in rate, right? Cause you yeah. said you were a hospital mm -hmm. corpsman, right? And 
and I was a nuke, right? And so nukes are, if you guys don't know about the military world, the hospital corpsmen deal with a lot of Marine work as well, right? Correct me if I start misspeaking about rates and everything. And there's definitely, in my opinion, there is a, a, a huge immense pride that comes with being a hospital corpsman and the level of responsibilities that you obtain and maintain, especially when it comes to standards. Now with the nuke world, the nuke engineering world. See, you're even laughing. See, you even know. We don't even see those of you guys don't know. You think about your, the biggest computer nerd in your high school. Think about the guy has zero social anything. The guy in the corner that eats paste <laughs> and like licks sun, you know, like, like sunblock just for fun. Right. Those are the guys that become nukes. Those are the guys that become nuclear engineers. And when you put these people who have zero social skills, zero physical skills, and then you put them in positions of leadership, they don't realize that leadership is an actual image. And it's a, it's a more of a following than it is uh, telling everybody what to do. So, so yeah, I do not doubt that we have completely different experiences in leadership and yeah, everything else. Definitely. Corman, we'll, um, we'll <laughs> put it out there. Corman, we're the best of any rate, any branch. We'll, we'll put our best up against anybody's best and we'll, 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 we'll surpass expectations. All right. That's just how we roll. But um, the thought process of most corpsmen is kind of along the lines of the Marines process. It's like when to fight by any means necessary. So they don't, they don't play, they don't play games. Right? It's just, it's all about the mission. It's all about the fight. Like what objective we got at hand and we just go get the shit done. And so that has played a role. I, I will yeah. say that I've never been on the sub, so I don't know. I, I don't know what nukes are like, so I can't attest to that, but I'm glad to have had the experience I've had. I, I, I you know, I haven't been on a sub either. Like, I remember signing up. They're like, do you want to be on a submarine? I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Like, oh, yeah, there's uh, nothing but dudes on the sub. I'm like, nope, 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 not doing that one, right? And, and bro, you can, oh, my God. And that's the thing about sub people. Like, my, um, so in our pipeline, right, we have, like, our A school, we have our power school, and we have our C school. C school is where you actually learn to qualify. You start doing rotating shift work. And I'll tell you, man, our C school is, like, six days a week, 12 hours a day rotating shift work. That was what our C school was like. And you had two kinds of people. You had your submariners and you had your surface people from carriers. The surface people would be up and like, man, this shit fucking sucks. I'm never going to do this again. And then you had like the submariners that showed up and like, like, this was the best deal ever. I'm going to wait my sunblock. You know, like, fuck no. I'd rather think this is a shitty deal and I'm going to like leave, you know, and, and, oh my God, this, the contrast in people, but I digress. Yeah. I don't, this isn't a conversation yeah. about yeah. sitting on my community. <laughs> I digress for that. Um, all right, Cody, while we're wrapping this up, man, um, what is something about mindset? So to our, all of our listeners, all of everything else, because I, I definitely want people to grasp this mindset that you have I, this this i gotta always be better with myself i got constantly gotta get ahead if someone were to ask you like what is the mindset that i gotta have what how do i get to a cody hoskins kind of level of being a pro like what would what would you tell um it didn't happen overnight um everybody goes through trials and tribulations and then also everybody has have had people put in their lives at certain points that have made this type of impact. Like when I, like, I know we digress from it, but when I joined the military, I had so many people who had a hand in, uh, molding me into some young ghetto ass kid who didn't really, who was lazy and didn't want to do much into the person that I am today. Um, so many people, um, like Larry Smith, chief court, Smash chief Corey Anglin, Will Radcliffe, it was so many people I could just throw out there. But it took those experiences. It took certain people in my life and it took me actually engaging and trying to seek out that type of mentorship. I will say to it initially. Um, but to have that thought process, it takes, I mean, I've been, I've been called obsessive. I've been called, you know, crazy. I've been called um, a lunatic regarding my thought process and how I'm always thinking about whatever goal it is that I have. Um, if I have a goal, that becomes all I think about. Somebody attributed that to me being a Capricorn. I don't really know if that's accurate or not, but um, I was currently reading a book. I'm currently reading a book called Beyond Life, uh, 12 Rules of Life, and that is a part of it. It goes into 
if you really want a goal, you can get it. I've like I've never seen a person who works every day, little baby steps at their goals and don't achieve it. I've never seen a person who works out five, six days a week and eat moderately well and not look athletic. Right. So it's just all about the consistency of it. Like there's plenty of times where I lose motivation, but I'm like, you know what? This has become so much of a routine as a part of my life. It's a it's I'm a routine type of person. So if anybody ever wants to find me, you know where I'm gonna be every day at a certain time. Um, it just becomes a consistency of it. And so we all lose motivation, we all lose that uh drive, but you've got to have the consistency and then you gotta have something that keeps you grounded. Something that always keeps you um, not too big headed and, and it keeps you going toward that. Like reality checks. Like I got my brothers. My Every time I meet with my brothers, they remind me of how little and ins- insignificant I am in comparison. <laughs> all of my brothers are than me or they're guaranteed to me. I'm six one. My brothers go from six three to six nine. So it's like I've always had this little man syndrome where I've got to grind and I've got to get it. So, um, I got people who are going to tell me when I'm doing things the wrong way and when I'm incorrect about something. Like I could be, I can be. You got to have an open mind. So I could be wrong about something I mentioned during this podcast, and I guarantee you, one of my coaches is going to be like, "Hey, idiot! It wasn't this. It was this, right?" And then you still got to be <laughs> humble enough to understand. Hey, I'm smart enough to know when I don't know something. So you take that information, then you make yourself better, right? And as you make yourself better, it, it goes into one physically being healthier and being a stud and always being able to protect the people you care about and even your mental health mental health is something that's not talked about enough as well mentally i've been in a better place i'm a much calmer person than i used to be um and it's it's this process as as from the navy till now has made me a much calmer better overall happier person and so that triggers and it continues to trigger to keep me motivated on those goals. If you say you're going to do something and I've told my son this, then you've got to stick with it. It's always been consistency. It's not always motivation, but it is always consistency. Man. Amen to that. And just like you said, uh, you know where to find you. What are some uh, Instagram handles or any social media handles they have for people to right, follow well, you? My name is Cody Hoskins senior. Um, and my Instagram is hoop 21 underscore, because of course I'm always a fan and always love basketball. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I'm not a social media influencer. I'm not a nutrition coach. I'm not no personal trainer. I've just done things that work for me. And then including the comical aspect of everything, showing people that, Hey, it's not too much to get involved in a lifestyle. Even if you don't want to compete, you just want to be healthier. There's so like obesity is such a big problem in America. And so it's like, Here's an easier avenue toward that. Here's the comical side. Everybody in the gym life that I know of are super easy and nice people to deal with and handle with. And, yep, that's how you can reach me, and that's what you'll get out of me. It's always going to be transparency and honesty. Yeah, and I definitely appreciate that. And regardless of what you want to call yourself an influencer or not, that definitely is very inspiring and influencing of better habits and better health lifestyles for sure. So, All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to the channel. And Cody, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate everybody who's out there watching this video. Just remember to tell the the people you love that you love them and go on about you living a happy life. Yep, man. And with that, guys, we are out. Dose.